if you are on social media, you might be noticing a ton of posts about Supreme Court decisions that are happening or getting posted today. Here is one that I saw this morning when I jumped onto Twitter. This picture here uh, says, obviously, as you can see, if you're listening on podcasts, says no gays allowed. And the comment on this uh, post on Twitter says the Supreme Court just made this legal for creative professions to put up in their windows in the 303 creative. Now, to give you a little bit of context on this post here. Uh, actually, before I do that, my name is Ryan. <laughs> my name is Ryan Pauly. This is Think Well, the show to get you to think well about the Christian faith, to help you better engage the culture or engage the culture well and from a biblical worldview. That is my goal here with my show and this ministry. And so to do that today, we're going to be talking about a Christian approach kind of to political engagement or how should Christians live out their faith in the public square? Should they be expected to keep our, should we keep our faith silent? Should we not be able to speak about our beliefs? Should we put our beliefs into law and make everyone live according to those? Or is there a better way forward? And I think that there is a better way forward. And so this is one thing that I, uh, I don't love politics. I don't love political engagement. But one aspect of my doctorate in cultural engagement is that the last few months we've been studying political engagement. How do Christians engage in the culture? And so if I'm going to be studying and trying to train you to engage the culture, one area of culture is politics. And so I have a few thoughts that I want to share more broadly. And so to back up and give you the context of this post on Twitter, uh, a lot of the Supreme Court decisions are coming out uh, and we've been seeing some of those decisions coming out recently and a bunch more were released today. And because of this, I've been thinking about for my July monthly training letter. Uh, if you want to get that, you can subscribe to that through my uh, social media, Facebook uh, or my website uh, or below on YouTube. You can click in the description below and there's a thing that says training monthly 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 training letter. But I wanted to write a training monthly letter on kind of how should Christians go about living out their faith in the public square. And I thought, hey, if I'm going to be writing on that for the month of July, why not do a quick little show on this uh, to talk about kind of what I think is a proper way for Christians to live out their faith in the public square. And then I woke up this morning and I saw that tweet. And I'll put it up here on the screen here again if you're just now joining me. Uh, the tweet uh, this morning said, no gays allowed was the picture. With the comment, the Supreme Court just made this legal for creative professions to put up in their windows in 303 Creative. So now to give you a little bit of context, 303 Creative is a case that I've actually been covering in my high school ethics class for probably the last two, if not three years. Uh, it was a great case as I as I discussed in my class and with my students on religious freedom and freedom of speech. This was a case that, that happened quite a number of years ago uh, that it started going through the court process. And because of that, uh, it kind of got some news and I became aware of it. And it was perfect because it was being petitioned or presented to the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court had not yet released their decision. So it was a case that I could give to my students, present both sides. I would show them videos of the lawyers uh, for one side presenting and then uh, the lawyers from the other side present. I would answer any questions they have and I would say, now, how would you rule if you were a Supreme Court judge? 
And so it was wonderful. And I was always wanting for the last few years as I've been studying this and looking at videos and reading about it, uh, what would the Supreme Court decide? And the Supreme Court did decide on the side of Lori Smith. So to give you that background, Lori Smith is a creative professional in Colorado. She has a marketing web design company that she wants to create websites and do marketing promotional kind of materials uh, that kind of are true to her values as a Christian. Now, Lori wanted to get into the wedding website industry. Uh, the issue, though, is that Colorado had a non-discrimination act, a, a law on the books that says, look, you cannot discriminate based against someone based on, you know, their, their you know, sexuality and, and gender identity and race and those different kind of protected classes. Rather than creating her wedding website business uh, or adding that as a an option to her business of 303 Creative and then getting in trouble for breaking the law, getting sued and then trying to fight that. She thought, hey, why not hold off on creating these wedding websites and push back against this law and see if we can affect some change and get the law changed so that I can do this legally and without fear of kind of this repercussion. And so that's what started the court battle quite a while ago. And it's gone through lower level courts all the way up to the Supreme Court. And so the question here that it kind of came down to, and here's what was interesting from both sides, and here's why I think it applies to how we as Christians live out our faith in the public square. One side says you can't really live out your faith in the sense of like, keep kind of your faith quiet in the public square. You see other Christians posting of like, no, we need to take Christian morality and we need to put it into the laws and kind of force all people in a sense through law to kind of live like us. And, and I want to present kind of, again, a, a, a middle option, so to speak, that will help maybe bridge this gap because it's impossible for us to leave our worldview at the door when we're entering the public square. No one enters that public square into the political conversation completely worldview neutral. We all are bringing our worldviews to the table. And so to say, hey, Christians, you can't bring your Christian worldview to the table in this political conversation, but then other worldviews, like a secular worldview, you can. That's not the way we should go about this. We have to recognize that everyone is bringing their beliefs, everyone is bringing their worldview into this conversation, and it's unreasonable to expect Christians to leave theirs at the door. At the same time, I don't think that we should just force our Christian values on other people. Right? We, we can read in scripture and we see this idea of not kind of judging outsiders, those outside the church, the same as judging those inside the church. I think all Christians, we should be able to recognize that there are ways in which scripture calls us to live. There are things that are considered sin that we don't have or maybe don't even expect to have put into law. For example, I believe it's a sin to get drunk, but I don't think it should be illegal. And it's a sin to have sex before you're married, but I don't think that should be illegal. I don't think that we should take every high school kid who's sleeping with his boyfriend or girlfriend, uh, you know, the, every kid sleeping, every high school couple who's sleeping together, that we like throw them in jail for having premarital sex, right? There, there's aspects of the Christian morality that I want to persuade people to live by. I want to help my students see the goodness of living out a Christian ethic. But I don't necessarily think that all aspects of a Christian ethic should be legislated into 
All right, it should be legislated, put into law, and now have punitive punishment if someone breaks that law. And so what's happening here is Lori Smith was was pretty much saying this, and here's, and maybe I'm kind of jumping all over the place, and I apologize for that, but here's what was happening with this case and why I think it's relevant to this conversation of how do we approach the public square. What Lori Smith with 303 Creative was arguing is that to create a wedding website for a same-sex wedding would be to present or promote a message that she disagreed with. And so she's arguing this from a free speech case. Now she would serve gay individuals. So if a, you know, for example, like if a, 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 a gay pet store owner, right? So the pet store owner is gay and says, Hey, will you create a website for my pet store and have this promotional material that we're going to adopt out puppies on Saturday in this big kind of community adoption thing. She would have done that. Right, that she had served people within the LGBTQ community previously when she's promoting messages like, hey, adopt these puppies that are consistent with her Christian values. But she never, just like the previous case, like Jack Phillips with the Masterpiece Cake Shop, but would did not want to promote messages that disagreed with her Christian values. And so her, to create a same-sex wedding website would be to promote an event, a same-sex wedding that is something that went against her values uh, being for a traditional man-woman marriage. Now, the other side, Colorado in this case, is arguing that, no, she is discriminating against the gay person, right? And that Colorado has, you know, in most states have this idea of kind of this uh, public accommodations, right? If you are going to open a business to the public, you have to serve the whole public. And so to say no to a same-sex wedding website would be to discriminate against them because they are gay, Hence the picture that I posted earlier, no gays allowed. And so really what, as I would kind of walk through this with my students, um, what, what, what I, what, what I tried to help them see is that we should say, look, it is wrong. And I think it's wrong to discriminate against someone simply because they are gay. So if, if Lori Smith had a gay person come in and say, hey, I want you to create this website for, you know, adopting puppies. And she said, no, you're gay. I'm not doing that. Um, I think that's highly inappropriate. That should not happen. You should serve those people equally. The question, though, is, is that what was happening here? Is that the same as saying no to a same sex wedding? And this is where I think there are relevant cases to help us think well about this. So if you are engaged in a conversation at your workplace and you're trying to figure out, man, how do I think about this to engage in a conversation with my coworker? Or or you're just trying to figure this out as a Christian. You're seeing a lot of these cases. You clicked on my video or my podcast because you're seeing a lot of these cases being presented on social media and you're trying to figure out how do I think about this? Uh, here's where it kind of comes down to it. If you try to find a relevant kind of flip around example. So think about this. Think of it as a, if there's an LGBTQ, website design company. And a Christian walks in and says, hey, I want you to create a website for my puppy adoption event happening this Saturday. If they said, no, because you're a Christian, I won't create a website for you. That's inappropriate. Right? I think that would be unjust discrimination. However, if they said, hey, I want you to create a website that's like an anti-gay website, or even if it's just simply a website that says traditional marriage is the only way for marriage. So it's not even just anti-gay, but it's just saying, I want you to create me a website that says man, woman, marriage is the only marriage that should be allowed. 
Should the LGBTQ website design company be required to create that website? Right. You could flip it around to other examples that people have kind of mentioned of should a, you know, should a black owned T-shirt company be required to create a T-shirt for a, someone that wants to print a shirt that says like KKK rules or something like that. Right. Some racist message on a T-shirt. And I think we should say, no, you can't do that. Right. And so there's a difference between saying, no, you're white. I won't create you a shirt versus no, the message that you're wanting to put on the shirt is something that disagrees with my values. I won't create that shirt. All right. One more example. Think of like a catering company, right? If a catering company and let's say, um, let's say it's like a, a pro-choice catering company. I don't know, a catering company that holds strongly to pro-choice values. And someone walks in and says, hey, I want you to cater my work party. And it's just a random business selling computer microchips or something, right? And it's just a random, and they said, nope, you're a Christian. I won't serve you and I won't cater your business, even though it has nothing to do with Christian ideas. We, I think most people look at that and go, That's, there's something wrong with that, right? You can't say no just because they're a Christian. At the same time though, if it's like, hey, I want you to cater my pro-life rally. I'm having a pro-life rally and I want you to cater this. Should that pro-choice catering company, right? Or I guess that sounds weird to say, but should a catering company whose owner and managers are pro-choice, should they be required to cater that event? And I think the answer is no. We recognize, look, creative professionals, photographers, website designers, these sort of things, I think they should be able to create and participate in events that agree with their views. And the same thing, I think if there was a, a, a company that started up, an LGBTQ company that said, we want to create websites for same-sex weddings. And I showed up and said, hey, I want you to create a website for my, not same, my opposite sex wedding. They should be able to say no. Like, I'm sorry, we only do same-sex weddings. We're not gonna create this website. We're, we exist to do this, or this is our values. Our values are promoting same-sex weddings. And those are the only type of weddings that we wanna promote. And so the fact that you're not that, we're not gonna promote that. Like, they should be able to say that, right? And so this is where I think we, we um, are arguing in this case. This is not saying no, because you're gay, I won't create this. Like as in that picture, I'll put it up there again, right? No gays allowed. This is not saying no gays can come in my store. This is saying, look, I'm not going to participate in an event or promote a message that contradicts or goes against my values. And I think that's something, if we kind of break it down in that way, and if I'm being fair, that I think should that everyone would agree to. I think everyone, no matter what your values or ideals are, your convictions are, we should apply this to all businesses. As I tried to kind of do there with the, the pro-choice business or pro-life or the LGBTQ business or the Christian business or whatever it may be, we should not force creative professionals to participate in an event they don't want to participate in or to promote a message that they don't want to promote. But if that same person just says no to you because of your, you know, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, you know, it says, no, you're a man, I won't serve you. No, you're a woman. That, that's where we cross the line. There's a difference between discriminating against someone because of their identity versus discriminating based on the message they want you to present or promote. Now, that's where I kind of see this case and that's where I kind of see this big difference here is uh, in the conversation and where these lawyers are kind of 
arguing. And ultimately, it's up to you to kind of decide what exactly was happening with Lori Phillips when she says, I want to create wedding websites promoting weddings, but not same-sex weddings. Is she saying no based on the very fact, just you're gay, I won't serve you? Or is it because of the type of event that the website is promoting? And that's where you kind of have to parse that out for yourself. Now, with that said, kind of taking a big step back, I want to run you through an activity that I do with my high school students to try to help them understand kind of this idea. Because uh, here's what I give my students. Let me show you this. And, uh, and maybe think to yourself for a second, how would I respond? Now, again, let me kind of describe it out for those who are, 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 are listening on podcast or radio. But for those on YouTube, here you go. Here's the picture that I give to my students. So I print this out on a piece of paper and I give this to my high school students every year. And at the top, it says, so you think homosexuality is sinful and therefore gays shouldn't be allowed to be married? Now you have two options. It's a flow chart. So on one side, it says no. So, oh, you go, no, 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 I don't think they shouldn't, you know, be allowed to be married. I I think gay people should be allowed to get married. And then it says, congratulations on being part of a civilized society. Now, if you answer, yes, I think that homosexuality is sinful and therefore gays should not be allowed to get married. It then has another kind of flow chart where it presents different options. And it says, why? Now, you might say, uh, why? And you say, well, because Jesus said so. And it goes, well, no, not true. Jesus never said anything about same-sex relationships. So then, so then why are you against it? And it says, well, because the Old Testament says so. It says, well, the Old Testament also says it's sinful to eat shellfish and wear clothes where of two different kinds of fabrics and whatnot. Should we live by those laws? And if you say yes, then it says, have fun living your sexist, chauvinistic, judgmental, xenophobic lifestyle choice. The rest of culture will advance forward without you. If you say, well, no, we don't have to follow those Old Testament laws, then it takes you back. Well, then why are you against this? And you say, well, because the New Testament says so. It says, well, that's not true. The original language of the New Testament refers to prostitution or molestation, not same-sex loving relationships. Plus, should we like live by all of Paul's values? Like women should remain silent in the church? And if you say yes, then it goes back to have fun living your sexist, chauvinistic, judgmental lifestyle. If you say no, well, then why not? The next one, well, because God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And it refers and says, well, that was when the earth wasn't populated. There's now 6.79 billion people, which is more now. It's not an issue anymore. So why shouldn't they be able to get married? And you say, well, because the Bible clearly defines marriage as one man, one woman. This is wrong. The Bible also defines marriage as one man, many women, one man, many wives and concubines, a rapist and its victim, conquerors of war, kind of goes on. And he goes, okay, then why are you against it? And then you go, well, it just disgusts me, dang it. And it says, well, props for being honest. A whole population shouldn't have their families discriminated against because you think gay sex is icky. Grow up. So notice here, in this flow chart, you either say, well, no, I think that gay people should be able to get married. And you say, and it says, congratulations on being part of a civilized society. Or you continue to say no, which means that you're either immature, grow up, or you are a sexist, chauvinistic, judgmental, xenophobic individual, and the rest of society will progress forward without you. So you're either terrible, immature, or agree. And so I give this to my high school students and I say, okay, take some time. Think about this. How would you respond? Now, if you want me to walk through each of these points, maybe that will be the topic of a future show. So comment, send me a message and say, hey, let's kind of walk through this because I do think that each one of these points can be responded to. However, 
This is not why I'm showing it to you here, and it's also not why I show it to my students. What I want them to see is this. I disagree with the very question. I'm not against same-sex marriage because I think that homosexuality is a sin. Now, I do believe that same-sex relationships, homosexual sex, is a sin, but that's not why I'm against same-sex marriage. Now, here's the main point that I want to walk with you in the rest of the time that we kind of have here. In our political engagement, let me bring this back around over here. All right. Um, One of the books that I read, where'd it go? Here we go. One of the books that I read for my class was this one here, The Religion of American Greatness, What's Wrong with Christian Nationalism? Now, I'm not going to get all into Christian nationalism right now. Again, if that's uh, something you want to talk about in a future show, send me a comment. We can talk about that. But here's what I think, where I do agree with this book. I don't agree with everything that Paul Miller says here, but here's where I do agree with it. On page 93, he says, natural law is how we ground politics in morality without grounding it in a specific sect. He says here, um, first, I argue above, the state does have an obligation to punish evil and praise good. It should be culturally neutral, not morally neutral which means it should promote a transcultural standard of justice. It should govern in accordance with natural law. So here's what I want to promote as how do Christians live out their faith in the public square? If we simply take our Christian morality grounded in scripture and then put that into law and expect and force everyone through law and punishment to live like us, I think that would be inappropriate. I believe in freedom of speech. I believe that God has given people freedoms to live out the way that they want to choose to live. I'm a strong proponent of free will and that you can choose to freely accept God or reject him. Now, within that, right, God is that ultimate judge. And that's what 1 Corinthians 5 talks about. Here, let me bring that up here really quickly. 1 Corinthians 5, starting verse 12. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? It is not those inside the church whom are you? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Now, what this is not saying is that you can't ever say anything about those outside, right? There's definitely evil. Like if someone murders and you don't go, you don't go like, well, they're not a Christian, so and they're not part of a church, so I can't say that's wrong. No, you absolutely can. But we recognize that while we are called to hold, so to speak, Christians to a higher standard, those inside the church to a higher standard, doesn't mean we can't ever say anything about those outside. Now, that doesn't mean that what is happening outside the church is fine, is good. As I mentioned at the very beginning, there's still a need for us as believers to try to persuade people of the truth of the gospel. But I don't think... It should happen through force. We do not make everyone become Christians. God doesn't make everyone become a Christian. God is not forcing everyone against their will into heaven. God is allowing people to make a choice, to love him or not love him, to follow him or not follow him. Now, there's obviously consequences to those choices. I believe in heaven and hell. There's a consequence. But what I'm saying here is God allows people to freely make that choice of how they're going to live. And then there's consequences for that decision. And so I think if, if God is allowing people 
to freely make that choice? Should we not also allow people to freely make that choice? If God is not forcing everyone, in a sense, right now to live as a Christian, then why would we want to force everyone through laws? And so rather than creating laws in America based on our Christian ideals and morality and forcing everyone to live like Christians, we have to recognize, look, we have a, 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 a religiously diverse country, right? We have this idea of religious pluralism where there are many different religions practicing and living here. And so I, I don't think it's appropriate, right? If, if we are going to hold strongly as Christians to ideas like freedom of conscience, freedom of belief, and freedom of speech, then we have to allow those freedoms for other people to practice. We have to allow the Muslim to be able to preach on the street about Islam. If I want the freedom to be able to go out on the street street and preach about Christianity, we have to allow the Muslim and the Mormon and the Jehovah's Witness to do that as well. We should have give people the freedom of speech to say and believe and practice the things they want to say, believe, and practice. Now, within reason, obviously. But with that, if, if the moment we start to say, well, you can't, we start to erode the foundation of religious freedom and freedom of thought, freedom of practice, and that is the very foundation for which Christians are also standing on. And so I want to approach this issue trying to say, how do we strengthen this foundation, which doesn't just apply to my group, my sect, but applies to all. And this is where Paul Miller says, look, our laws should be culturally neutral. Now, not morally neutral. So we don't say all morality goes, all morality is fine, do whatever you want. There's obviously a right and wrong, and the government's obligation is to punish evil and praise good. So there has to be objective morality in order to understand what is evil and what is good so that we can punish the evil and praise the good. But in order to do so in a way that is not culturally um, uh, unneutral or to force our standard of justice on everybody is that, as he says here, we have to ground it in natural law rather than grounding it in a specific sect. And so here's the question when it comes back to this marriage flow chart that I showed you guys here a second ago. The reason that I think we same-sex marriage should not be legal is not because I think it's a sin, while I do think that homosexuality is sinful, the reason I think it shouldn't be they shouldn't be allowed to marry because of a natural law argument against same-sex marriage. But again, as I mentioned at the very beginning, there are a lot of things I think are sin. But just because I think something is a sin does not mean I think it should be illegal. I think it's a sin for, as I mentioned, two high school kids to be sleeping together. Uh, but I don't think that that should be illegal and they should go to jail and be punished for that. I think it's a sin to commit adultery. That's not illegal. I think it's a sin to get drunk. That's not illegal. Um, and so there's a difference between what I think is sinful and what I think should be made illegal. And so if I'm going to be making uh, an argument that something should be illegal, that not, it should not be allowed for anyone to practice, I need to be able to argue that in a way that is, as it says there, transcultural or culturally neutral, not just coming from my group, but a, a, an argument that all people should be able to recognize. And that, as Paul Miller says here in his book, would be based on natural law. What is natural law? Natural law is the, is the morality that all people should be able to see or be aware of 
based on nature, by looking at the world around them. Now, again, maybe in a future show, we can make a natural law argument for marriage. That's what I'm planning to do in the uh, August monthly training letter for Think Well. Uh, well, the July one is then be based on why, why make kind of natural law arguments or kind of how do we approach this idea of a natural law argument? And so here's what it looks like, right? Is that there are aspects of the Christian faith, right? There's morality and, and, and right and wrong behavior that we recognize, but it's not just because it's in the Bible. We read in Romans chapter two, right? Let me pull it up here. Romans chapter two. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law that are righteous before God, but the doers of the law that will be justified. For Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires. They are law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the law, that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on the day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Now, this topic came up a little bit in uh, one of the last streams that I did, uh, talking about uh, morality and having the conversation with the guest on the moral argument. And and what I was trying to get across in that show was this idea that, look, we have this ability to look in the world, right? We have this moral law within us. We have a conscience on us that that sometimes accuses us, say, hey, what you just did is wrong. You shouldn't have done that. Or your conscience excuses you. Hey, it's okay. Not a big deal, right? It's all right. You can keep doing it, right? We all have this conscience that God has built into us to where then we can look at certain actions And we can recognize, look, that is wrong. You can look at a parent abusing a child for fun and you just go, I just, that's wrong. I know it, right? You have this moral law on your heart. Now, is it possible that some people have corrupted that moral law, have, have, are so twisted in that sense that they look at some horrible action and go, Hey, I don't, I don't think that's bad. I think that's okay. Yeah, that's possible. In the same way, you can have someone like colorblind in a sense, and that's the argument I was using in that video, where I held up something black. It's like, well, what color is this coffee mug? It's black. How do you know it's black? Just look at it. Well, what if someone looks at this coffee mug and says, I think that is yellow? Would you go, well, I, I, maybe, I guess it is. I, I, I guess I can't say it's black anymore. It must be yellow because you think it's yellow. It's like, no, is there something wrong with your eyes to where you are seeing something black and thinking yellow? And I think the same thing can be said here. And so we have this way of looking at our culture and we are trying to create laws. And so while scripture guides how Christians should think morally about things, I think what we as Christians, and here's my encouragement, we need to do a better job of arguing in the public square using standards that people who are not Christian could go, wow, I kind of get that, right? That makes sense because we're appealing to conscience. We're appealing to natural law, right? I saw, I've seen other videos online where, where a Christian stands up at some kind of like a town hall event or, or school board meeting or something of that nature and says, what you're doing is terrible and you need to change. Why? Because the Bible says it's wrong, right? Now imagine Christians, if someone did the same thing, 
right? I've had a Muslim say, hey, what you're doing, the fact that you worship Jesus, that is one of the worst sins that you can commit because you are making Jesus equal to God. And that's one of the worst things that you can do. You need to stop. Well, well, why? Well, because that's what the Quran says. I don't follow the Quran, right? That's not an authority to me. Now, I'm not saying we don't ever quote scripture, and this is where this conversation is hard, is I feel like we, we sometimes quickly get to these extremes where it's like, you can't do that. And it's like, no, I'm not saying don't ever quote scripture. What I'm just trying to say is that how do we approach these conversations in the public square where we're dealing with people that have different worldviews, have different religions, have different beliefs? What can we appeal to that gets a better hearing that people that don't hold scripture as an authority will go, wow, I think that makes sense, or at least we'll understand our perspective on it. And so I think for that, we have to appeal to natural law. How do we make a natural law argument for something? How do we look at the reality of something discovered in nature, not invented or created by us, and say that makes sense? And that's where I would say in this 303 creative case, we're not talking about the sin of same-sex marriage or not. What we're talking about is, don't you recognize that all people should have this freedom of speech, right? Do you think that a LGBTQ catering company should be required to cater a church event that believes that what they're doing is sinful? Maybe they're not even talking about homosexuality event, but should the LGBTQ catering company, who maybe has trauma with, with Christians, should they have to cater the Christian event or should they be able to say no to that? Right? And we can look at all the examples that we talked about before. And so um, where I think, without getting into all the details of what I didn't necessarily want to talk about today, I think I've tried to kind of lay this foundation for you a little bit. And I hope, as always, that this makes sense and helps at least give you something to think about. Right? As, as this is not about Christians discriminating against gay people and saying, I don't like gay people, or I think that homosexuality is a sin, therefore you can't shop in my store. That's not what this is about. Jack Phillips with Masterpiece Cake Shop, Lori Smith with 303 Creative, both of them and many other Christians who are fighting very similar legal battles uh, had served in the past and currently are still serving gay people. This is not saying you're gay, I'm not going to serve you, or you're, out part, you're queer, I'm not going to serve you. That's not what this is about. What we're trying to discuss here is should businesses be required to promote messages or participate in events that contradict their beliefs? All right, this is often referred to as religious freedom, but more broadly, what we should be aware of is that religious freedom is not just for Christian religion. Religious freedom in another sense is, is called freedom of conscience or freedom of thought. Should all people, no matter if you're religious or non-religious, atheist, Christian, right, uh, straight or gay, whatever it may be, should you be able to live out your convictions, your beliefs in the way that you do business? And if Christians want a strong foundation that protects their religious freedom or freedom of conscience, we should stand up for it for other people as well. Now, there's one more thing that popped into my mind that I want to discuss on this issue. And of course, now it's gone. So, um, ah, man, it is just, it's disappeared. Um, 
so anyways, I hope this, and may, let me just finish up, and then if it comes to mind, I'll add it on at the end. But again, my goal here is to say, like, look, if, if you're just trying to figure out all these legal battles and trying to figure this whole thing out, how should Christians think about this? Or you're trying to be better prepared to have this sort of conversation with your coworker, with your neighbor. I hope I've given you a few things to consider on what this kind of debate discussion is about and how we as Christians should go approaching these conversations in the public square. There are strong natural law arguments that can be made for these things. This is not Christians forcing our morality on people. It's also not Christians forcing our opinions on other people. This isn't what I was going to say, but it's something I saw on Twitter the other day and it popped in my mind right now. But uh, it it, it was a conversation I kind of got into a little bit on Twitter uh, or actually it was on Instagram on abortion. Because the video that had been shared was like Christians and pro-life people are just forcing your opinions on other people. Your feelings actually is the word they use. That it's just forcing your feeling on other people. Look, my position against abortion is not just a feeling I have. And I think it's very disrespectful and disingenuous to to call that a feeling. Because the pro-choice side recognizes we're not talking about feelings here. We're not just talking about your feeling for women and the pro-life feeling for the unborn or something of that nature. Both sides are trying to point back to reality and make an argument based on either the rights of the mother, the rights of the child, or what we recognize in natural law when it comes to the taking of an innocent human life and when that is justified and when that's not. We're, We're trying to discover what has been built into reality of being the right and wrong way to live, not just because the Bible says so. That's not my position. And that's actually what came up multiple times. You're just trying to force your, your, your interpretation of the Bible on us. I said, I never brought up scripture, right? This is not just because what the Bible says. My argument against abortion is based on natural law. It's based on science and philosophy, something that all people have access to and should be able to recognize. Now, does that mean that all of us are always going to agree? Of course not. Natural law doesn't mean everyone agrees. It just means you're, you're appealing to something that's not just from within your sect, but something that all people should have access to, or at least something that should be an authority to all people. And that's why we have these sort of laws. Uh, we have laws against murder. We have laws against child abuse, because it's something that we all can recognize this is wrong. Now, one last thing, maybe. Uh, let me let me share this uh, last illustration. Sorry, I'm just kind of wanted to just chat through this with you guys. The I was having a conversation this morning based on this topic, and one of the responses, "Well, but this is discrimination," and the answer is true. It is. This is discrimination. But the question is: Is it justified discrimination or unjust? And I think that as culture, pretty much everyone recognizes that there is justified discrimination. How so? Well, if I go to a movie theater, do I get a student discount? Well, no, because I'm not a student. Well, maybe I'm a doctoral student. Maybe I do now. If I go to a restaurant, do I get a military discount? No, because I'm not military. So when a restaurant offers a military discount to military people and does not give the military discount to non-military, that is a form of discrimination. When McDonald's gives out a senior citizen coffee to senior citizens and does not give that same coffee to me, that is a form of discrimination. When Costco lets me in the doors because I'm a Costco member but does not let the non-member into Costco, that is a form of discrimination. They are telling the difference between two people. 
member, not member, military, not military, senior citizen, not senior citizen. They are judging between the difference between those two and allowing one and not allowing the other. My question is this, does anyone in culture or anyone that you know or that you interact with think this is wrong for private boat clubs to only let in members, right? A members only club to only let in members. And most people say, well, no, I don't have a problem with that. Right. And here's what the issue is, is the moment then we kind of blur this line, we kind of remove definitions and say, well, all discrimination is wrong. You need to allow anyone to get it. Well, then we kind of lose the significance of why businesses or why people are doing this to begin with. Right. So imagine, right, senior citizen coffee at at a, a, a McDonald's and they say, well, seniors, we don't want to discriminate. Right. So senior citizen coffees are for everyone. Well, then well, that's just a, co- <laughs> it's, it's a coffee. It doesn't mean to have a senior citizen coffee not, like if it's available to anyone. But notice this. If they say, hey, senior citizen coffees are for anyone, and I walk in and say, I would like a senior citizen coffee, and they say no, on what basis could they deny that coffee to me if they said it's for everyone in a way that is justified? Now, if I'm making sense, right, the answer is I don't think there is anything, any reason they come up with, right? If they say, hey, senior citizen coffees are for anyone and everyone. Coffee's coffee. Come get it. If they ever said no to me based on any reason, that would be unjust discrimination because they've made it clear this thing is for everyone, right? Student discounts are for anyone. I want the student discount. Well, no, not you. What reason can they give? Because you're got brown hair because you're wearing contacts because you whatever maybe any reason would be inappropriate unjust discrimination where now you're just just judging because you don't like someone versus the first case is judging based on an objective definition there's a clear objective difference between military and non-military that allows us to discriminate fairly to give a discount or benefit to one and not another There's a clear definition of what a student is to where you can discriminate and give something to a student versus not to the non-student and discriminate in that way and it make sense and not be unfair or unjust. And so the question here is, is there an inherent difference in that 303 creative case between an opposite sex wedding and a same sex wedding? Are they exactly the same? And the answer is no, one has a man and a woman and one has two men or two women. They're not the same. They are different. And so if they are different, doesn't it make sense for the law to treat them different? Now, it doesn't mean be unfair or unreasonable, just like when I say if there's a difference between a student and a non-student, doesn't it make sense for that discount to be applied differently? Yes. For to be treated different? Yes. But if I were to walk into a restaurant and they say, well, you're not military, get out, right? Or something like that. We go, wait, what? But that doesn't mean I have to get the military discount. And so we recognize that, well, yes, this is a type of discrimination to say, I will serve one type of wedding and not another. That is discrimination. I think that, again, we can appeal to natural and say, but don't you think that should be true of everybody? Don't you think it's fair for the restaurant to give out the military discount, but not to the non-military people? Don't you think a photographer should be able to shoot certain events and not others? Now, does that mean that you're a jerk to the people that you're not going to serve? No, of course not. 
You can't be unreasonable in that way. But if you're like, hey, I'm going to be a photographer that only shoots this type of event. And someone says, hey, will you shoot this other kind of event? Should you be required to? And the answer is no. I don't think you should be forced to participate in an event, contradicts your values, or promote a message that contradicts your values. And that applies equally to everybody. So no matter what you hear, I think a strong case can be made that this law, this Supreme Court decision in favor of Lori Smith is a huge win for religious freedom because it, it, it makes that foundation on which everyone stands stronger, that all businesses, all creative professionals have the freedom to say no to promoting ideas and events that contradict their values. And so this foundation that the Supreme Court just set for Lori Smith applies to the LGBTQ catering company as well, to where if the like Westboro Baptist Church or some group says, hey, we want you, you to, to cater this anti-gay event, they now have a foundation to say, no, I'm not going to cater that event and hold to a, a position or based upon their living out their company based on their values, right? And so this strengthens it for everybody. This is not just going to open this door to crazy discrimination because there's a difference between saying no just because of who you are versus no to a message or an event. So um, I've talked a long time, probably longer than I thought. I don't see any questions that come in. So um, I'm going to be kind of wrapping this up. But again, I think there's a lot to be discussed here. There's, there's further things that we could go down into. And so if there's questions or issues that you have, uh, f- uh, please comment, uh, send them in to me. And I would love to kind of address this more specifically, but the hope today was to present kind of a framework for Christians living out their faith in the public square, and then maybe kind of present some scenarios and some questions to try to get you to think about this possibly in a different way, or even to give you some tools that you can use the next time you are in a conversation. And so that is always, you know, my goal of helping you think well so that you can then engage the culture well. So if you try some of these things and it doesn't go well, hey, comment in and let me know because, hey, there's always ways of kind of fine-tuning. How do we find a more compelling, persuasive message to help people kind of reconsider or rethink the things that we are standing for and the things that we are um are arguing for. So anyways, uh, with that said, um, hopefully today has helped, enjoyed. If it has caused you to think about this differently or helped in any way, kind of like it, share it, help spread the message out there. Uh, let me just end by telling you a few things. Um, number one is um, this new book. Here's a quick little uh, what's coming up next. The Toxic War on Masculinity, How Christianity Reconciles the Sexes, Nancy Piercy. This just came out yesterday or two days ago, I believe. Um, And Nancy Piercy is going to be coming on the show July 31st. Now, you might notice I kind of am going to get quiet here a little bit. Um, My second child is due literally any day. (laughs) He could come out any day. He's due July 7, but um, the doctor is like, hey, really like tonight, tomorrow, most likely your kid is coming before next week. So if I don't have a show in the next few uh, days, weeks or so, that is why is because my son was born and I'm taking a break to be with my family. But starting July 31st, definitely at least by July 31st, I will be back having a conversation with Nancy Piercy and her book the toxic war on masculinity. Now this book came out a while ago, faithfully different by Natasha Crane, regaining biblical clarity in a secular culture. That book came out a while ago, but I was never able to coordinate a time with her for an interview 
because I was teaching. I was working during the day and it was just hard to do interviews in the past. But now with me stepping away from teaching, working in the worldview kind of training world with both Maven and ThinkWell full time, I now have new uh, uh, times in which I can do interviews. And so we just scheduled for September 12, September 12 at 2 p.m. Pacific time, that conversation with Natasha Crane. And the... Um, Nancy Piercy one is also at 2 p.m. Pacific time on July 31st. So July 31st, September 12th, those are two interviews that have been scheduled. I had sent out about eight more emails yesterday. So I'm hopefully going to get a lot of diverse, interesting content for you to help you think about these issues and how do we live out our faith as Christians. So with that, there's tons more interviews that'll pop up here on the side that you can check out other videos in the past. Go to the website, uh, subscribe, like, do all that fun stuff, help this message get out to other people and, uh, and what this show is trying to train you to do. Uh, hope that you've enjoyed it. And this has been a thoughtful, fun time. So with that, continue to think deeply about God, Christianity, and Jesus, because they are worth thinking about. God bless everybody. See you next time. Hesitate to follow Your love will guide